because truth is what sets people free. I'm going to tell you right now, if, if we don't get free in our lives, we're going to have a hard time getting the world around us free. But we've been called to be, to be people that set people free. Amen? That's what we're learning about in my church, his church. We are the body of Christ. I heard someone make an awesome statement this last week. He said, God came down here one time and blew breath and life into Adam's nostrils. And he has not been back since. Since then, he's been using the man that he blew life into to do everything that he wants to get done on the earth. And it's still the case today. That's why this series is so important. Because church won't work unless we know how it's supposed to operate, know what it's supposed to look like. And when we talked about our purpose series last year, we said that the reason people quit things is because we don't see results. We don't pray like we should because we don't believe prayer works or we haven't seen results in our life from prayer. There are people that have quit church because church didn't do anything for them. They gave all their time. People drained them or always putting them back to work with the kids all the time. They never got to come to service. They didn't come with a right heart or a right attitude. Uh, they, they didn't do what they were supposed to do when they got involved. Uh, they didn't understand how the church was, uh, was supposed to operate. They didn't have people that were teaching them and leading them and guiding them properly in God's word. They were just showing up and hearing poems and emails and a couple good songs and then going home. And so they quit because church doesn't work for me. Church is broken. So why keep doing it? We are a people, if something doesn't work, we quit doing it. Obviously. Because if you keep doing something that doesn't work, it's called wasting your time. And our time is way too valuable. My Sunday mornings are way too valuable to go and do something that's broken. I got other stuff I could do. I'm working 80 hours a week. I could use the extra sleep. I could use the time to relax and not have to run over to church and, you know, put on a smile, you know, put a smile on my face and act like everything's okay in front of people and get asked a million questions why I'm not working in children's or, hey, why don't you sing? You got a really good voice. Or, hey, why don't you do this? Or, hey, we'll hope we see you at the event later tonight when I've already given up my time to come here this morning. It's broken. So we don't do it. So I want us to understand the purpose of the church. Why church? Why are we doing this thing called church? What does the church look like? Are we playing games? Are we doing something that's really impactful for the kingdom of God? Because I want this thing to work. I want this church to bring results in the kingdom of God. And I believe we will. So that's why we're doing this. Matthew chapter 16. It's been our key verse. Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. Jesus says, And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. By the way, when he says this rock, he didn't mean Peter. I know... Maybe to some of us that sounds like a joke or you know, that I'm being sarcastic, but I'm really not because the Catholic Church thought the church was literally supposed to be built on Peter. And they have a church that's built right now in Rome on top of where they believe Peter was buried. So it's not a joke. Somebody took Jesus literally and said, oh, we're supposed to build it on top of Peter. All right, where's his remains at? And let's put the church there. And they have it marked, the center of the church. You can go there. Here lies the remains of the Apostle Peter. Okay, so the rock that we are to build the church on is actually referring to revelation of God's word. Why? Because Peter answered a question that Jesus asked. 
Who do men say that I am? Then Jesus said, who do you say that I am? And Jesus said, I believe you are Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus responded and said, Peter, you didn't figure that out on your own. Actually, he called him Simon, which means shifty. And he said, you didn't figure that out on your own. But my father in heaven revealed it to you. And no longer will you be called Simon. You are now Peter, which means a rock, a firm place. So he went from being shifty uh, shifty to being a rock, a firm place. And he said, upon this rock, the revelation of the word of God, my church will be built on. So that means this. If the church you're going to is not built around the word of God as its center, primary focus, it's not his church. Because he says, I will build. Notice the word will. I will build. This isn't if you cooperate with me, if you get in on this thing. No, he's building his church. In the end, I want to know that I was a part of his church. Now, here's the thing. I got to throw this disclaimer out because it can sound like I'm being negative towards other churches or like we're the only ones that are doing the right thing, which is not the case because I know of at least two other churches that are. I'm just kidding. There's one in St. Augustine. There's one in Puerto Rico. (sighs) I'm a little biased. But I know of other churches besides Anchor Faith Church that are operating appropriately. But I also know of a lot of churches that are not. So I'm not being negative, and I'm not trying to shift to that side, but what I am doing is I'm challenging us to view church through God's eyes, not our eyes. Because there's a lot of things right now that make church look cool. And that's the place to be. And, man, they're definitely doing God's thing. But we need to look at some details and look at some more specifics before we analyze and say, yep, that's a good church to go to. Because there are things that we need to be doing that cause us to operate as his church. There's things that we're responsible for. If we're not holding people accountable for things, if we are uh, developing uh, studies, theologies, and doctrines that don't line up with his word, since it is the primary focus anyways, these kind of things are taking place in places called church every Sunday, right now. And people flock to those places. Because they have a great worship team. Their pastor is funny and relevant. They play a lot of videos. The, the facility that they have built is awesome and they serve coffee. And their seats are comfortable. These are the reasons people go to church. I know people that have told me of other places that they have been to that are bigger than what we do, have a better worship team than ours, which I don't know, I'd have to put put our worship team up against some others. (laughs) I know some of those people that they go to those places and say, man, you you should check this out. But then after a while, they say, man, you know, I'm just not getting fed over there. You know, I'm just not... They're not really giving me anything that's really feeding my spirit. Aha. We have found the reason. Because you don't want to walk into Austin's and get a Big Mac. You don't want it to look good on the outside and put the show on, and then it comes time to eat, and you're, what? Cube steak? I came for the sirloin, man. I came for the ribeye. Yeah. So we have to take a look at what his church looks like. He says, I will build my church. Jesus is personally invested in building 
his church. There's a lot of things that Jesus has uh, delegated to people. In fact, he gave us authority, gave the church authority. But building the church, that's his job. Nobody else is doing that. We're co-workers. We are fellow workers with Jesus. But he is building his church. He has not delegated this responsibility to anybody to build. He's building it. He will build it. My church. That word my is what we're going to get into today. Because my is not talking about ownership by possession. He's talking about ownership because it is a part of me. It is attached to me. That is the number one identifier of his church. Is it attached to the head? Because the church without a head is dead. That's what we've been saying. A decapitated body is a dead body, period. You cannot survive without the head. Head is where all the direction comes from. This entire body is run because of this right here. If this shuts down, the whole thing shuts down. And so this needs to be representing this, our head. Jesus is building his church. Jesus is the head of his church. Let's look at some verses that substantiate this. Romans chapter 12. You know, Jesus is, he said in his word that I am the way, the truth, and the life. Did he say that? Sure did. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Now, we, the church, we are the body of Christ. We are Jesus in the earth. So, we ought to be the way, the truth, and the life. Because we're connected to the life source. Church should not be a dead place. Now, I know right now at the level that we're at, we don't have everything to offer that some larger churches have. We don't have a worship team. Right now, today, by the way, that is something you can be agreeing with us on, that God is sending this way. If that's something you truly, dearly miss, don't complain about it. Pray about it. Bring a supply of faith to that area. That God will send to us musicians that love worship, love to lead his people in worship and in praise. Well, man, I really wish we had a worship team up there. So do I. But let's pray about it. Because guess what? God knows who's going to be up here leading you guys in worship. He knows that already. Don't think that he's twiddling his thumb saying, I wonder who's it going to be. Who, who, who? I hope somebody comes along one day. No, he knows the very day we will have our very own worship team up here, and he knows the individuals, and he's preparing them right now, wherever they're at. They may be in someone else's church. They may be in another city, state, town, country, nation. They may be serving another ministry. They may be lost and dying and going to hell. But he knows who they are, where they're at, and he's preparing their heart. He knows they belong here in that fit, bringing that supply. Remember, everything to God is in the past. What we need, he's already supplied. Now let's hook up with the man who knows everything. But our church should be alive. Our church should be alive because we have his life. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and apologize to you this morning. Uh, this was one of those messages that was hard to put in you version because God just started giving me all kinds of stuff, and um, it's not really directed. I did my best with it, so there you go. But if God says something else that's not in your notes, write it down. If you're not taking notes, write it down. 
Because God has some stuff he wants to say. Amen? God has some clarity he wants to bring through truth. I have been involved with worship almost my entire life. I started playing drums on worship teams when I was 11. It's a very huge passion of mine. It was almost hard for me to step away from it to become a pastor. In fact, it was very hard. The day that we came to the conclusion that I needed to fully take on the children's pastor role down in St. Augustine, and that required me to not play drums on Sunday mornings any longer, that was a bad day for me and Pastor Marcus. That's what I love to do. It's my passion. I've done it since I was three years old, self-taught, you know, a little bit of pride there. No one's ever taught me how to play or shown me how to play. Whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, I don't know. But it's what I love to do. And so I have been on worship teams that did it wrong, and I've been on worship teams that did it right. Why am I talking about this? Because we're talking about his church. I've been on worship teams where nobody cared what kind of life I lived when I went home. Been on worship teams where they didn't even care if I read the Bible. Didn't ask me. Didn't care if that was part of my life. Didn't care what kind of group of people I hung out with. And I've been on worship teams that held me very accountable. I had to turn in Bible reading plans and let them know, yeah, I'm reading. Where praise and worship practice wasn't just going over new songs and rehearsing old ones, but there were actually times where we just spent two hours straight just praying. Understanding what our true source of worship was. And if we're going to truly lead people into God's throne room, uh, we're not going to do it because we sound good or play good or have the greatest, most talented people. I've been on some worship teams with some very, very talented people that could go into the world and blow people away with their voice, with their musical skills, guitars, bass, instruments, uh, keyboards, whatever. And I've been on some worship teams. We didn't have the greatest, most talented people. It was whatever we could scrape up. I went to one church. We had six different worship teams. That's how many people in the church played a musical instrument. And so we had to split them all up to give everyone an opportunity to serve in that area. And I've been to churches where it was harder. I've played when it was a 10-piece band, and I've played when it was me and a guitar player. What am I saying? We're building his church. And so we are in this day and age where we value church because of those things. I know churches that pay their musicians. Now I don't even really know if you really love worship or if you love the paycheck. I'm going to tell you right now, if you want to know uh, if a church is alive, do not talk to anybody that receives a paycheck. Don't talk to them. They won't be able to tell you. I am at a disadvantage to you. Because there is a lull that comes to people that get paid to do church, to do church services. You gotta, uh, when, when, when you get to that level, you have to be very careful, very careful, that you're not just showing up on Sunday and Wednesday because it's your job. You get paid to do it. That's what you're supposed to do. No, I would talk to the parking lot attendant. I would talk to the usher. I would talk to the children's worker and the greeters. I almost wouldn't even talk to the worship team because sometimes we just like to get up there and just make a bunch of noise and show off our great talent. I've been there. And we get off stage, and instead of saying, wow, that service was awesome, we talk about how we missed this note, or we did this wrong. Or and so it was about us. It wasn't about them. 
I know of a church right now in the United States, got a phenomenal worship team. But when that camera pans the audience and they're doing this, your worship ain't so great anymore. Just how it is. I don't care. If it's a rock concert, it's a rock concert. If it's church praise and worship, then it's church praise and worship. I've seen more people raise their hands and scream at the top of their lungs and sing along at at rock concerts because I did that too. You see, rock bands, they, they feed off the audience. Their show is dependent on how well they receive it and how well they give it back. This up here, these people better get there before you get there, not vice versa. And so this one particular church looks to me like they need to teach some people how to worship. Because if, if, you uh, if you're here to see a worship band and listen to a great band live in front of you, and then you just stand there and watch and listen with your hands in your pocket, you, you might as well just go ahead and come to our church with the CD and nobody's up here and words on a screen. Let's just start at the basics. Because right now we're at a point where we have to truly worship. I don't have anything up here for you to look at. But I can tell you, what you do here, you can do in your car. When you learn you can worship God with nobody in front of you and words on a screen, then I can definitely worship God in my car. I don't have to have a live band with me. Now I can worship God at home when I'm doing the dishes. Now I can worship God when I'm at home changing diapers and, and picking up uh, toys. And now I can uh, worship at home when uh, I, I, I don't, uh, I'm, I'm not having that great of a day, but you know what? I don't have to have a live band in front of me rocking it out and other people around me screaming at the top of their lungs for me to be in a mode of worshiping God. You should come worshiping God through the door. Even when we get a worship team, you better not wait on them to get you somewhere. I'll tell you right now. Better learn how to raise your hands and sing at the top of your lungs and clap and do what is necessary to worship your God because really the only thing that matters is you and him. Nobody else in this room and nobody up here. That's his church. And so here's what happens is we have substituted the presence of God with the presence of man. Because here's my test. Next Sunday, without telling anybody, shut it all down. Unplug every instrument. Unplug every TV, every monitor. Turn every light off. Turn the lights full blazing. And let's just praise God with a guitar. And let's see what happens. But I know what would happen. They can't even praise God when no one can hear your voice. See, that's easy. It, you, know what, you know what it is? It's like going on a blind date. And you're on a blind date with this person you just met. And you realize, I don't feel the same way about you that you feel about me. And you know what that's called? Awkward. You're trying to find something to talk about? Looking at your watch, wondering when is this thing going to end? I don't want to hurt their feelings. That's what that kind of praise and worship is like. And I hope we're not a people that when the songs get going, we're just hoping they hurry up and end because I don't know what I'm supposed to do. This is awkward. I'm I'm talking truth. I'm talking worship. 
And by the way, he said to worship him in spirit and in truth. Not lies. He doesn't want to be worshipped in natural and lies. He wants to be worshipped in spirit and in truth. And so I have a strong passion for worship, but I have developed over the last eight years the greatest passion for worship that I've ever had in my life because I realized eight years ago that the passion I thought I had for worship wasn't passion at all. It was a desire to sound good. It's the first place I went, every church I went to. You need a drummer? You need a drummer? When that opportunity came, when I was at Rama, and it was a blessing. I remember sitting there. I'd been going to school for three or four months, and I'm like, man, I just want to play drums. Didn't go work with kids. Didn't go be an usher. Didn't go do this. Didn't go help with that. I just want to play drums, and if you don't have a position there, then, and I'm in Bible school. Eighteen years old, sitting there in the balcony, going through the little bulletin, it says in there, we need a junior high drummer. That's it. Tuesday night, show up. 7 o'clock, audition. I show up. And this is a large church. I mean, it's an 8,000 member church. But I was thinking, I won't have that many people. Maybe me and a few other guys, you know. 21 guys show up. 21 guys. I'm thinking, Man, there ain't no way. They made us draw numbers to pick who's going when. I got number 20. I said, whew, thank God. Because, one, we were playing a song I had never heard. And they had one guy get up, play the song one time, and then you had to play along with that, with them. And so I got to hear the song 20 times, 19 times. Before they got to me. It was awesome. And uh, they called me back the next day. It was between me and one other guy. <clears throat> and I ended up being able to fill that and serve there for a year and a half. But that was, it was a great experience. But there was so much more I could have learned. Not only about worship, but serving, being accountable to someone in an, in an area of leadership. There was more. But then when I got to St. Augustine, I was in for a wake-up call. Because now I'm the only drummer. You got nobody else. You sit me down, who are you going to go to? Oh, okay, you'll, you'll do that. Set me down. We don't need a drummer. Because if you're not going to live your life to a level to be worthy to be up there to lead people into worship, then we don't need you. We don't need you. Because that's true worship. And that is how his church operates. That's how his church operates. No matter how big we get, no matter how many worship people we have, there will be a one-on-one -on -one connection because this is too valuable a stage. And I value you way too much to just throw anybody up there. And it's tough when you're at this level because you're thinking we just need something. But I, I, it is not worth it. not worth it not worth it for me to pay you and then i have to question really do you really want to be in this position because i know of a church that did that and then they decided you know what we're not going to do that anymore and they all left i'm not even kidding you they all left what does that say about the people you had on stage leading your body into the presence of god every week I'm here for the paycheck? 
Is that what you want leading you into worship? Is it, did any, I wonder if anybody asked the church that question. How do you feel that the people that came and led you into worship last week, they were only here for the money? <laughs> no, that's not his church. That's not his church. So we've got to get the truth of the word of God. We've got to find out what his church looks like. And so these churches that are lacking the life of God, they're replacing it with a worldly life. Since we can't offer God's life, uh, you know, let's just make it look really good. Let's just make it comfortable. Let's not say anything that's going to push people away. Let's not say anything that's going to challenge people and contradict the lifestyle and, and, and show people the word of God and how to live that way. Let's not uh, do anything that will make people uncomfortable. Because we don't have real life to give them. We've got to find somewhere, some way else. Look, the second we can't offer God's life here, we're shutting the doors. Because it's only the life of God that's going to change your life. It's only the life of God in you that's going to change someone else's life. And it's only the life of God that's going to cause us to be the most powerful entity on the face of the planet. His church is the most powerful entity, organization, on the face of the planet, no doubt. It's greater than any nuclear weapon. It's greater than the president. It's greater than any economic system. It's greater than any healthcare system. It's greater than your biggest problem that you have right now or that you will ever have. The church is greater than all of it. His church. And so I want to be a part of his church. Romans chapter 12 and verse 4 says, For we as, for as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we, being many, and uh, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. We're talking about the church. We're talking about the church as the body of Christ. And so just like our body has many different members, we are one body. This is one body right here. But yet I'm made up of many different parts. I have hands. I have feet. I have arms. I have legs. I have a brain. I have a heart. I have lungs. I have parts you can see. I have parts you cannot see. So we are the same as the church being the body of Christ. We have many members but we are one body. That's, this is one of the biggest keys that's missing in churches across America is one agenda. Not your agenda, your agenda, your agenda, your agenda. One agenda. And all the members are helping for the same cause. It's called unity. Why is unity so hard to achieve? Unity in our families. Unity in our homes. Unity in our job. Everybody's got a different way of doing one thing. Everybody's got an opinion. Everybody's got an idea. And if their opinion or their idea is put out there and is stomped on, forget it, I'm out of here. That's why unity doesn't work is because instead of trying to get our brain around God's agenda, we're too focused with our agenda. I was in a prayer meeting Thursday morning with about nine other pastors from this town. And I showed up just a little bit late, and they were talking about truth, which is funny because I've been studying truth for about two weeks now. And truth is phenomenal. I can't wait to preach on it. And they were talking about truth. Talking about how we need to be bearers of truth. We need to be leading people to truth. Which is true. Because truth is what sets people free. And so, one of the pastors 
one of the pastors <clears throat> James, you all right? Okay. One of the one of the other pastors spoke up and he said, How are we supposed to know what truth is? How are we supposed to know what truth is? I mean, he could read a scripture and you know it could mean one thing for him and he could read a scripture and he, you know, it mean one thing to him. How are we supposed to know truth? That's why we have all these denominations. That's why we all believe different. That's why all of our different churches are all preaching something different every weekend. Because how are we supposed to know what truth really is? Well, my Bible in John chapter 14 and John chapter 15 and John chapter 16 says that Jesus, when he is leaving, is leaving us with the Holy Spirit, who is the Spirit of truth. And he will lead you into all truth. And he will guide you into all truth. Well, how in the world are you going to understand truth and reject the Holy Spirit? Yeah, I spoke up and said that. I said, we're missing the one key ingredient in most of our churches every weekend, and that's the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, what do you want to do today? What do you want to say today? Because I'll tell you right now, I didn't know who needed to come down this morning for uh, prayer, but the Holy Spirit did, and I was being his vessel, and he said, I want you to pray for this, call this out. And so he knew somebody needed to be prayed for this morning. And so I didn't come in with an agenda this morning. I didn't come in saying, okay, Holy Spirit, you got five minutes. I give you five minutes to show up. Look, church is, the church right now is so weak and impotent and powerless because we have replaced and substituted God's presence for man's presence. God's agenda for man's agenda. So I want to be his church with his agenda. So we are all members of one body, but many members. And we all have ideas, and we all have things we can bring to the table. But one thing is clear. Only the Holy Spirit and God's agenda is going to take place here at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. That's all that matters to me. Because my ideas don't change Jack out there. But his will change the world. His will impact and influence people's lives for the kingdom of God. And that's what I want to be a part of. Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 22. And he put all things under his feet and gave him and gave him to be head over all things to the church. So this he, by the way, is talking about Jesus. The he in this statement is Jesus. He put all things under his feet and gave him, Jesus, to be the head. So who's the head? Who's the head? Jesus. Over all things to the church, comma, not period, which is his body. The fullness of him who fills all in all. Why is that so important? Jesus is the head over his body, the church, the church which is his body, the fullness. If you remove my head from my body, you do not have the fullness of Pastor Mark. So, if you remove the head, Jesus, from his body, the church, you do not have the fullness of Christ 
in the earth. Look, our biggest assignment as a church should be to be the fullness of Christ in the earth. That means whatever the head wants to do, that's what we're doing. Otherwise, we're not connected. Otherwise, we're damaged and broken. So if we're going to be the fullness of Christ in the earth, which is our assignment, then the body has to be connected with the head, Jesus. See, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. But how come so many churches seem to be void of a way, the truth, and life? You know, I can wear a smile on my face all day long, on my head. But if I'm walking around mopey, and like something's wrong, and I don't have an answer, and I'm doing horrible, if my body doesn't represent my head properly, then I can wear that smile all day long, but I'm not happy, and you know it. So I, I don't want to misrepresent the head. If the head is the way, the truth, and the life, then we need to be the way, the truth, and the life. That means we can give someone an answer and give them direction. That's the way. We can get people out of lies and confusion and and. Uh, worry and anxiousness and fear because we know the truth and we can get people out of dead lives that seem to be going nowhere and doing nothing because we have life we are his church go over a couple more chapters in Ephesians chapter 4 Ephesians chapter 4 this is the explanation of the church right here. This is basically the church defined. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 11 says, And he himself gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, comma, you do not see another period until you get to verse 16. This is all what the church should look like. This is all who the church is. Till we all come to the unity of the faith. That's a hard one. And of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love, speaking the truth in love. That's why truth hurts and love hurts. <laughs> they both hurt because you. When you speak the truth in love, see, that doesn't mean speak the truth in a way that wraps around your lifestyle. Hey, pastor, you know, I've been dealing with this, you know, this one issue, you know, is it a sin? Well, you know, I mean, there's multiple ways we can look at it. First, you know, is it in the Bible? Did God strictly say you cannot do this? Well, you know, we can look at it from that. How often do you do it? And, and what's your heart? No, yeah, it's a sin. I love you. Truth in love. Why? Because I love you. I don't want you to continue to live that lifestyle that is separating you from your God, from your king, from your father. Truth is, it's a sin. Love is, I don't want to see you hurt by sin any longer. Because what you think you're doing is pleasing you and making you feel good and uh, gives you a, 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 a great 
sense of life. But what I see is sin, which equals disobedience to your king, which equals separation from the kingdom. So the church should be speaking the truth in love. That means we take a position. That doesn't mean that we stand around and bat an eye at things that are happening in our nation and around the world and next door neighbors and say, well, you know, I love them, so I don't want to, you know, I don't want to run them off. No, you just gave them an ability to be confronted, confronted with a lifestyle that's against what God has said, and they now have a choice. Do I run from God or do I go towards God? hey, I'm in this relationship with another guy, and I'm a dude. But, you know, God still loves me, right? What are we going to say? Speaking the truth in love. Well, you know, God loves them. And, you know, you don't want to run them out of church. Look, I'm all about giving people an opportunity to correct a lifestyle. But when you have made a decision to continue in something that is not of God, that is directly spoken of in his word. You made the choice. Don't look at me. And I'll tell you the truth because I love you. And I know that that lifestyle is literally killing you, is literally severing you from everything God wants for your life. And you are living a lie. So let me bring some truth. Are you confused about it? Well, let's help out the confusion. Let me give you some truth on the matter. Love is not a doormat. I'll tell you right now. Love is not a doormat. You look at God's love... He even says in his own Bible, he chastens those that he loves. He rebukes those that he loves. It says, how can you tell if a father loves his child? Because he chastens them. He corrects them. If you don't correct and you don't chasten and you don't give direction, you don't love that person. Bottom line. You don't love them. So we speak the truth in love. That we may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies. We are knit together. By what each of us is supplying. The Bible. Joined and knit together by what every joint supplies. I thank God every joint in my body right now is bringing their supply. I thank God every part of my body. Everything that uh, God put in my body is bringing its supply to me. My stomach is working. My kidneys are working. My heart is beating. My hands are working. My arms are working. My legs are working. My feet are working. My head is working. My nose is working. All bringing a supply. And notice that that allows us to grow up into all things. The church should be growing. And I don't mean just naturally in numbers. I mean should be growing up spiritually. We should be growing up spiritually. This is something I like to tell people. Is every time you go to church, every time you hear the word... It should do one of two things. It should either confirm something you already know and already believe or establishing a new belief every time. 
every time. Yep, I believe that. That's true. Or, wow, I've never seen it that way. But you know what? That's the way it's in the Word of God, so I believe it. One of two things every time. That's what the Word of God should be doing. It should be growing you up. If you're in a church that's not challenging you as a believer, that's not revealing something that you can be doing different Monday morning, we may not be in a church that's preaching the Word of God that's growing us up. And guess what? We're all growing. I don't know why we try to avoid that fact. I don't know why we all try to think sometimes that we're already there, we've already got it figured out, and I don't need to grow anymore. But that is one of the greatest things about the life of the believer is we're always growing, always learning, always being added to, always being more established in his word, and always being challenged. There is nobody in this room, including me, that is already there. We're all growing. And as we all grow individually, we grow as a body. See, I'll just be honest with you. There's things, you know, that uh, are, are taking place at some other churches that, are, that have been around and have grown up to a certain level that we just aren't operating in yet, spiritually speaking. And that's because we're growing. Look, I'm, I'm not going to take Camden to the gym with me and have him press what I'm pressing. I'm going to let him play with his little toys. I'm not going to give him a real drill. I'll let him play with his new one that he got yesterday for his birthday. Why? Because he's not mature enough. But I'm going to tell you right now, you stick around for a little while, and you'll begin to see us as a church go to another level. And you'll begin to see us operate in things that have proven our maturity and proven our growth. And those of you that may have come from other churches that were more mature and that did things like that, that we, you haven't seen yet, just hang around a little while. Because the Holy Spirit wants to teach some people some things. The Holy Spirit wants to grow people up in some things. And we'll get there. And I'll tell you right now, we'll be in a different place in five years than we are today. I'm telling you right now, St. Augustine is uh, doing some things uh, where they're at because they've been there for nine years that nine years ago they weren't doing. It seemed like Pastor Earl preached the same exact message every Sunday for the first two years. And here I am, this great knowledgeable you know, Bible school student thinking, why are we talking about this again? Well, come to find out, I actually needed it, for one. And two, we were in a new area where this type of teaching was new to people, and so we had to grow people up in some things. And it really wasn't bad for me to hear it. In fact, a lot of us that are mature in things, sometimes we need to come back to the elementary principles. Paul said that. Or whoever wrote Hebrews, it's believed to be Paul. But he said that you keep thinking that you are ready for all this spiritual stuff when it would be good for you to go back and hear the elementary principles of the word of God that got you in this thing to begin with. Because every part of this, look, what you learned when you first got saved is still applicable today. And what you're learning today is still going to be applicable 20 years from now. We're growing. Knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share. And here it is. Causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Growth of the body. Individually, there may be things today that you might need someone else to help you out with. But one day, you'll be able to do that on your own. The Holy Spirit had me talk about spotters this morning while we were praying for people. And some people think if you go to a gym and you need someone to spot you, that that's a sign of weakness. Nope, that's a sign of someone that's willing to do whatever it takes to go to the next level. And you know what? I can't push this off 
today. But if you could just spot me, and if you ever seen those guys that really know how to spot, all they do is they just take two fingers. Sometimes it's just a mental thing. And they just, sometimes they're just barely lifting it. They're not lifting the whole thing. Sometimes, as believers, we need spiritual spotters. It doesn't matter if you're trying to go from 300 pounds to 325 or if you're trying to go from 100 to 125. We need a spotter. You need someone that can help get you to the next level, someone you're accountable to, someone that you talk to on a regular basis because you're not meant to do it on your own. And so as we grow up as a body, the entire body is bringing their supply. Every joint is sharing and doing their part. And we all grow up. For the edifying of itself in love. Colossians chapter 1 verse 8. Colossians chapter 1 verse 8. Eighteen. Eighteen. I was about to say, that's not it. That's not it. Go to eighteen. And he is the head of the body, comma, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have preeminence. He is the head of the body the church. I'm not even going to be able to get into 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We'll save that for next week. But the first thing the church has to be connected to, and we have to be connected, this whole standalone, I'm out on an island all by myself mentality has to go. I do church my way. I come when I want. I do what I want. I serve where I want. I, I, I do this when I want. Nobody asks me. No one. Uh, I offer my services. We have to get rid of that because we are connected. The first thing the church is connected to is the head. A church that is not connected to the head is dead. And if we're going to be in a live church, uh, we have some drop cards back here that you can be handing out. Uh, they're just little business card size. You grab those, take them, leave them at restaurants, leave them with people when you're talking about the church. And on the front of it, it says, come, live. This is a place where people can come, and this is a place where people can live. Come as you are, get the life of Christ inside of you, and share it with somebody out there. Come, live. This is an alive church, and I don't need a 15-piece worship band. I don't need the, the largest youth group in the city. I don't need an outreach program that's reaching out to every organization in this community because we have the life of Christ in us, and we are letting it out because we're connected to the head, and we are not dead. We are a church that is connected. We're not doing our own thing. Well, you know, that's the kind of style of music Pastor Mark likes. No. It's not. I like it. Well, you know, that, that, those are the, uh, you know, that's what he wanted to do. That's how he wanted to run the thing. No. Well, you know, I guess Pastor Mark just felt like 1030 was the right time. actually 9 o'clock because we pray at 9 and then this part of the service starts at 10.30 but church the event actually starts at 9 so it's not about me it's not about a person it's about him and his church is connected to him because that's what my church means And that is how we reveal Christ to our city, how we reveal Christ. Because look, right now I'm revealing Pastor Mark to you. 
because my body got me here. Look, the world needs Jesus. We all know this. The world needs a light, and he is the light of the world. The world needs hope, and he is hope. The world needs peace, and he is the prince of peace. But the world ain't getting none of Jesus until they get some of us. So we're going to be his church. I hope these messages are challenging you. You do not want to miss. I don't have an end in sight because just this morning I wrote down four more titles for messages for my church. There's so much stuff, it'll blow your mind. But 2013 is the year of his church. That's what I'm claiming over our body, the year of his church. Because I'm in an area, I'm new to this area. I didn't grow up in Valdosta, I didn't grow in Georgia, I didn't grow up in southeast part of the United States. I grew up in the western, midwestern part of the United States where there are churches everywhere. People go to church. I lived in the Bible Belt. I lived in the TBN area. All that stuff. I grew up, we were talking about numbers of uh, towns, uh, you know, of cities where we grew up. And uh, I think Lisa said there's a population of maybe 5,000 in Hawkinsville. I grew up in a city of 5 million people. And that's just if you count Fort Worth. If you want to include Dallas, 15 million. people need Jesus in the small ones, the big ones the medium ones but in this area I was talking to a pastor just last week and he said you know one thing about Valdosta every corner there's a bank and a church but here's a statistic that will startle you if every single person went to church in Valdosta today, we wouldn't have enough parking spaces. Wouldn't have enough seats. Wouldn't have enough square footage. What's the population of Valdosta? 90,000. 1%. We had 1% of that. We got to get our, our perspective of his church through his eyes. If we only view church through our eyes and what we've seen, what we've experienced, what we've been to, see that, and, and that's one thing that I've noticed about this town specifically is they're, they're afraid of change. I'm just being honest. They're, uh, how come we don't sing those songs anymore? And how come that color paint's not on the walls? And how come you get out at this time and start at this time and, and you don't do this thing that we used to, oh, we used to always do this. And part of what I believe is the purpose of this church in this town specifically is does this, does this town need a, another church on another corner? Technically, no, because we, got, we need to get people in the churches that are here. But I want to get people out of tradition, man. I want to get people out of just doing it because that's what we've always done. I want to move people over to this is why I do it. And it's purposeful. And it gets results. I think if more than anything, this church, this town needs a church that will produce some results. I'm not saying none of them are. But there are people giving up on church today. And not just church services church in general, being a part of the church. And I'm not trying to paint a picture of a hopeless lost world that's dying, going to hell, because I tell you right now, there's a lot of good things that are happening in church. There are. There's churches all over this nation that are started up right now. You have young pastors like myself, that the culture's starting to change a little bit. The, the pastor isn't the picture of the 40 to 50 year old gray haired televangelist guy with the comb over anymore. It's, young, it's the young guy in the skinny jeans and the spiked hair and the beard and weird glasses and v-neck t-shirts. 
whatever. No, I'm not really a style guy, but whatever. There's a lot of them rising up, and that's awesome to see. My generation getting excited about church. But I want to get them all excited. I want to get rid of tradition. I want to get rid of that. But it starts with us. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. Our hearts are open. Our minds are receptive to your word. And we don't have time to play games, Father. The end is drawing near. We're seeing signs of the times now. Father, the church ought to be more powerful than it's depicted today. More in unity than division. More in agreement than in strife. More in love than in hatred. And Father, that's only going to come if we get a picture of what your church looks like. And you've already established what that looks like. You've shown us in your word. So, Father, we get our eyes on that perspective, not our perspective. If we've had something happen in our past that's uh, made us put up a wall against church and, well, I'll go there as long as they say this and I'll go there as long as they do that and go there as long as they don't ask of this. Uh, Father, I ask that we get those walls out of the way this morning. Now, we get a picture and idea of what your church looks like so we can be a part of that church and be the powerful entity, the life-changing force in this city, state, nation, and around the world. Father, we can't all do it, or we can't do everything, but we all have a part. You said that the church is many members, but it's one body. Father, cause us to be one body, one agenda, one mind, one, one faith, one spirit. The thing that seems to be uh, to be unable to grasp for a lot of people, unity. Father, I thank you that you help us achieve that unity in your spirit, in your word. Not just people that agree with one another, but people that agree with the word. Truly align themselves with the word. And we'll grow up into everything you want us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah, amen. Well, we want to give you an opportunity to give this morning.